We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me today, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? I had Kyle Lowry etched on my tombstone. Yeah, we had the Nets' first playoff game today against the Raptors. Nets lost that one, 134-110. But there were some positive things to take away, and I don't think the results were super surprising. But we'll jump into that. And as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do we start here? The first quarter? Uh, yeah, let's go to the first quarter, Nick. The Raptors just absolutely mauled the Nets on the defensive end. They couldn't get anything going. Uh, they had they uh, built up a 37-20 lead at the end of the first. The Nets' offense wasn't there. The Nets' defense wasn't there. And the Raptors, it was everything that we sort of expected. All of our worst dreams and the nightmares came true. They were just... It made everything difficult for Karras, made everything difficult for Joe. It was... Uh, it was a hard, hard, hard first quarter. 
Yeah, even subtracting like the talent differential, I think going to that first quarter, you could see a championship experience team and then a team that really doesn't have much playoff experience. Like you could feel that right off the start and the Nets just kind of weren't ready. It felt like almost for what the Raptors were going to throw at them. And really, they just like took Karis LeVert out of the game early on and he had to, you know, adapt more with passing and playing that point guard role, which we'll talk about later. But the turnovers too, like defensively, I think the Raptors just kind of disrupted them. And then those guys were locked in. Like you have to give credit Credit to Fred Van Vliet, who just shot crazy in this game, hit a lot of big threes in that first quarter. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. It kind of just set the tone. It was like, hey, guys, you've had a nice time in these seeding games, but we're for real. Yeah, my man wants his cash, uh, Fred Van Vliet, and he's going to get it. He might get it from uh, the Crosstown Rivals in the New York Knicks. But, yeah, they just have so much depth. They're incredibly well coached. It, it's clear that the, the Nets can only do so much with so little. And, you know, I said in my piece for OTG Basketball that you know, Carol Severd and, and Jacques Vaughn can only carry this team so far. It's going to be up to the rest of the guys. And, you know, the, the Raptors just have too deep, too much of a quality rotation championship experience, like you mentioned, Nick. But, you know, pegged things back in a little bit in the second. And that third quarter was by far the highlight of the game. Yeah, they came out with great energy in that third quarter and just kind of kicked things off. And they're like, okay, we are going to have to out-hustle these guys. I feel like it hurt them maybe a little bit in the fourth quarter because it felt like they were a little bit gassed. But, you know, a lot of positive takeaways to take away from that third, though. Oh, absolutely. I think that we could see that the ball movement was just on point. You know, another point that I mentioned uh, in the OTG basketball piece, you know, you get that ball moving and it, and it's going to make it harder for the Raptors defense and their incredible ISO defenders to, to you know, guys like OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. They're good one-on-one, but, you know, you make it harder for them when you're making them rotate and, and you make them move. You know, the Nets didn't really get that ball movement going uh, until pretty much the second half. Despite the fact that 33 assists and 43 made field goals, uh, that's what is going to be key for the Nets. You know, obviously they didn't shoot terribly from the the field, but obviously three was a a different story, and they gave up a, you know 50 percent from three themselves. So I think the ball movement was really good there, Nick. I think there was some really good hustle plays, as you alluded to. Carlos Avert was just leading the charge in, in in every single way. Joe Harris was hitting shots. Jared Allen was was aggressive. It, it, it they left it all out there in that third quarter. It seemed and. You know, as soon as that fourth quarter did kick around, I'm sure you'll have a bit of a chat about the third, but when that fourth quarter did kick around and Karasova went to the bench, that's uh, that's when that's where things went downhill. Yeah, it was like they had it within nine, they had it within ten, and that like real range where maybe you could push a run in that fourth quarter. But like you mentioned, just touching on the third real quick, it was making that extra pass. And they had a better idea of what Toronto was trying to do. And Karis LeVert did a nice job of taking on multiple defenders, hitting the next guy. And then that next guy not even just shooting, but making the next pass if it was needed. Or they just kind of reset everything and not settling for bad shots and not allowing the Raptors to really fluster them. And I think that paid off. But like you mentioned, going to that fourth quarter, that little period of time without Karis LeVert, I think the lead starts to get to like 16. And then it's like, okay, this is such a good team that you can't afford to, you know, go basket for basket with them. You need to get stops. And then also the fact when Rodion's fouled out, I felt like that really hurt too because the the size was such a big factor in this game. Two things, Nick. Um, one, do you think that Jafon should have kept Karras in? Or do you think like he was, you could tell. He was you know, tired. The, the, you could tell he was tired. And at the end of the day, you know, when you're replacing him with Tyler Johnson or Chris Scherzer, whoever it is that, that was taking his spot out there, you know, it's obviously going to uh, be a big downgrade from your best player to your eighth or ninth man in the rotation. Would you have kept him out there? Or, you know, there's only so much a guy can do. There's only so much energy a guy has when he's getting blitzed like crazy and being forced to make plays for himself and others for 35 minutes on the night. 
Yeah, I think it was actually the right move from Vaughn. It would have been great to keep him out there, but I think there was a layup attempt like a couple plays prior where he was just short on it, and it's a shot he typically hits. And you could kind of just see him like breathing on the sideline. Like there was just a lot of energy exerted, like taking on those double teams, moving so much on the floor, even though he wasn't scoring, doing so much with the ball in his hands, just a lot of pressure and just playing playoff minutes against a really good defensive team is going to take a toll on you. And like, it's just something he's not used to as much as he's faced double teams and defenses in the bubble games. There's nothing like the Raptors defense in comparison of what he played against, especially at a playoff level. Absolutely not. They were locked in for you know pretty much most, if not all, of the game, especially on him. You know, a lot of their attention was going his way. OG Ananobi. I mean, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James are going to have trouble with that guy if they um, make it to the NBA Finals. He is just an absolute monster on the defensive end, and he's improving as an offensive player as well. You know, it, it's funny also looking back at the fact that in, in the same draft, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, two guys who went late in the first round and, and, and are contributing incredibly to, to playoff teams. Uh, it's just a fun thing to sort of think about. But Nick, that Rodion's Kurutz foul. Um, Kyle Lowry the... should have been called for a foul prior because he literally just like sticks his elbow in the Karasovic's chest and then he drops the ball because he's trying to like get a call. That was just not a fan of that at all. Can you get the, the beat button out for me? I've got a <laughs> few expletives that I want to throw Kyle Lowry's way. Uh, that man and his chunky caboose uh are things that there are there are many people in this world no there are many people there are lots of people in this world that make me angrier than Kyle Lowry but there aren't many people in the NBA world that make me angrier than Kyle Lowry when I'm not watching him against the Nets I'm like oh look at these hustle players we're taking those charges when I see him against my own team I want to you know everyone's seen those like reaction videos where everyone's smashing the TVs and throwing on the floor that's me but I want it to be Kyle Lowry's face it, it makes me so <laughs> freaking angry and i and i get it like he makes you know the good plays but you know in looking at his offensive performance he was three or 14 from the field he was taking terrible threes if he wasn't like bailed out some of those times uh, from the refs um I, I can't remember who it was it might have been like net stan on twitter talking about um he's getting like lap dances or he's giving <laughs> lap dances to the and i said yeah they've been enjoying that because of his uh his chunky chunky ass but oh man i can't we could do probably 30 minutes of me rambling uh, hatred and, and vitriol against Kyle Lowry. Oh, he just makes me so damn angry, Nick. Yeah, he's a really frustrating player to watch, especially when he's playing against your team in a playoff setting and the calls that he was getting today. I think like the ones that are really frustrating, like when he got called against Rody, where Rody makes a pass, he takes like a step inside and Lowry falls. Like if you watch the replay, he falls before the contact's even there. So like this is a guy just kind of searching for those plays. And it's a little bit on the nets though. Like they need to know better. Like this is a guy that's been known to do this in his career, especially like TLC a couple times with his hands. Like just keep your hands away. This is a guy that's going to draw fouls. You got to be smart about it and when he gets frustrated he starts playing bad and there was a couple plays offensively where he wasn't getting the calls and that's played it right and that's an area where they can have an advantage and I also thought like his defense in this game like he had some good defensive possessions but Joe Harris cooked him on ball a couple times to the rim I was impressed yeah I think that out of like the starting five you know tonight he was probably their worst defender mate I mean Marcus Gasol wasn't necessarily amazing uh but Fred Van Vliet was certainly uh, Gasol looked a little slow 
He did, and you know, and I think that that's one. I think that Jared. You, we'll obviously get to the guys and analyzing their games, but Jared Allen was great tonight. Obviously, there were certain plays that we'll probably touch on a little bit more than others. But you know, I sort of said that you know he's going to need to have an impact. He's going to need to rebound the ball well, and you know he certainly did that. He was impacting the game, and you know, 34 minutes, six of 10 from the field, 15 points, and and 12 rebounds, including four offensive boards, had a steal, a block, and a dime. I thought he was really good tonight. It was just that we had absolutely no one uh, outside of him. You know, we tried Dante Hall early. Uh, Dante Hall isn't an NBA player. You know, there was some Lance Thomas minutes here and there. Uh, and then was obviously Kuritz who was just cooked in terms of, you know, he was just giving away fouls left, right and center and failing out in uh, not a lot of time, 16 minutes. Yeah, I would say with Jared Allen, like first half, there were some plays where I thought he could have been better. But in the second half, he just turned it up, like his intensity. And he kind of realized in some of those roles and getting to the rim that he's just quicker. I would even say there's a couple plays where I felt like he could even be more aggressive. One stuck out where he had like Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka in the post. They weren't in great position. I like to see him just put that hook shot up instead of trying to push like a shuffle past the Rodeons. But I think like Allen could see the areas he attacked in that second half, and maybe that'll translate to game two. Where the only thing I'd say that Jared in this game where it's a little frustrating is four turnovers. But going against a team like this, that's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. They're going to they're going to force it out of you, especially when the defense collapses like they do. They're just smart in terms of making the right rotations at the right times. And you know there were specific players that I guess stuck out, Nick, that we should touch on. Uh, Joe Midrange, J- Jared. Actually, let's Mid- touch on Jared Allen. Oh, you're gonna say Jared Allen's midrange. I was. I was just about. I've got because I'm. I'm we're used to sort of going. Oh yeah, Joe Harris has got the midrange game going now. Now we're gonna have to get used to saying it about Jared Allen. He cut a couple of little middies, and I mean that yak on Serge Barker was absolutely outstanding. And there was a couple of plays earlier than that where he like got his head, his afro like whipped off. And then the, the foul wasn't even called. I was absolutely disgusted in that. Uh, a lot of the, the calls tonight were making me pretty angry. And it's only like, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning as I'm watching <laughs> this game. But, um, Jared Allen, Nick, you know, maybe should he be taking those free throw jumpers? I, I don't mind it. I mean, based off of what a lot of people were saying on Twitter, that's a shot he shot a lot in college. And I he didn't look bad. He looked pretty comfortable with that. But I think, like, that'll come and go. Maybe it's consistent. Maybe it's not. We'll have to see over a bigger sample size. But the one play when he dunked on Ibaka, I think that's a play that he could do more often because guys usually try to cheat on him because he's doing the dribble handoff so much. He feels them over, you know, overplaying one side of his body. Turn that shoulder. Put the ball down. You're a quick guy. Throw that baby down, especially with the way the Nets play. There's typically not somebody else in the paint. So that's going to be a one-on-one situation with you. And Serge Ibaka is relatively quick. It's not like we're talking about a bad athlete. And Jared Allen had no issue throwing it down on him. It's not something that he can do with ease. But when the situation says so, do it. You saw his length in that dunk as well in that post. So that was just insane. And, you know, I thought he was really, really good tonight. He's going to be super-duper important. And the fact that he was able to keep out of foul trouble, is, I mean, as well, only three fouls for him. And some of those were just really ticky-tacky fouls, especially earlier in the game. You know, the, the, like I think on Pascal Siakam and some other sort of drives and stuff. It's And you could see when you get... It's almost like when you see Jared Allen getting angry, it's like seeing Kawhi Leonard getting angry. It's like, <laughs> these guys don't get angry unless there's a reason to be getting emotional and uh, in that sort of respect. So uh, a great game from him. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Jason Westlin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. 
It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefit of using CBD in treatment. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover body, and body balm for targeted relief and sleep temperature to drift into deep night sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 17th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But until Labor Day, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I, I thought, Nick, but yeah, Karis Levert, we, we touched on him a little bit earlier. 15 points, 15 assists, that's a career high, is it, Nick? Yes, yeah, career yeah. high. And it was, uh, I think, the second time in Nets history that a player has had 15 points and 15 assists other than Jason Kidd doing it like five times. It was a it was a great game for him. Just re, just reading the game in in a really important way. Did have a steal. Did have seven boards too, including two offensive ones. I, I just couldn't say enough about the passing of Karis Verde. Again, when we said pre actual seeding games during the scrimmages, we were talking about what sort of aspects of the game we would be looking at with Karis Verde's passing, his three point shooting, all these different things. And the three point shot just hasn't been there. And that's I mean. If you were going to analyze and overanalyze, that's something you to sort of worry about going forward. But you know, you can't say enough about him bringing his teammates into the game and making some insane reads on on cuts like that. I think there was a I can't remember if it was Joe Harris from a TLC cut and TLC he was getting cut. oh man, he was getting like the hands were like right in the air and he just like makes the whip and the hits him in stride. I was just he made some insane passes tonight. Yeah, really good job. I mean, he's come a long way in terms of his passing from the beginning of the seeding games to now, especially in terms of like reading double teams and reading the defense. And the Raptors obviously are a little bit more creative than some teams. And Harris did a really good job. And I felt like he started to realize like, hey, I'm just not going to be able to score tonight. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to pick my shots and take the opportunities when I can. But the way the Raptors were playing him, it was just going to essentially be impossible. And then when it got to the fourth quarter, it felt like they were even taking the ball out of his hands more. You were seeing traps, you know, more frequent and even further away from the three-point line. So I think the Nets need to be ready for that going into game two. Like, they're just going to continue to pick up the pressure. There was a couple nice off-ball plays. And then we saw when Karras got into the post with a one-on-one situation with Van Vliet. And they are able to run an action with Jared Allen and Joe Harris at the top of the key. There was able to be some space for him to operate. So I think Vaughn's going to really have to look at that. Because if not, it's going to continue to just be an uphill battle for him. And he, he proved to have, like, a positive impact still today. But the Nets are going to need even more. 
Uh, I think that there were certain actions, I think you're sort of alluding to, where Garrett Temple initiated the offense in parts, you know, getting him yep. to bring the ball up the court and get Karras to, to just get it off him and sort of be able to, to work like it that way so he doesn't necessarily have the attention, you know, from a half courts in a, you know, mid-court setting, you know, not even half court setting, a mid-court setting. So I think that those are, are some actions that could be utilized. And those, those led to baskets where you're sort of giving Garrett Temple the ball, putting the ball in his hands because he's a good decision maker. He's obviously... Not necessarily an amazing point guard. He's not Chris Paul, uh, but he makes the right decisions and he knows just when to when to give the ball up, when to make the right reads. And uh, his game tonight was, I mean, if you're looking at it defensively, I thought it was good, but uh, offensively, he was just, he was cold. And, and I think that that was a big reason why the Nets struggled to maintain any sort of ascendancy in the, in, in the game at all, really. When they needed a three-point shot, you, you could tell that the Raptors were leaving them open. And, you know, Matt, you and I said in the preview that these Raptors give up a lot of threes, but they they give up a lot to the players that they want to give them up to. And Garrett Temple went one of 10 from three. Um, he was 5-15 from the field, had four rebounds, had a steal, had an assist, had 12 points. Um, it wasn't the best offensive game from him, but I guess he, he probably did make it up um, make up for it with some some pretty quality defense. Yeah, his drives actually were fine in this game. Like his other offense, it was just a three ball was so bad. And that's actually probably one reason the Nets went down early so big because I think he was 0-5 in the first quarter. And yeah. we're talking wide open looks. And it's not even like Garrett Temple's a terrible shooter. Like you don't expect him to go 1-10. 2-10 would be more like closer to the mean or even 3-10. So it's just like missing that many wide open shots just really, really hurts. It does. Uh, we've, I think there was a game I can't remember if it might have been against the Sixers where he went like one of eleven or two of eleven. You know, he's he's streaky. It's not like he has bad form or bad mechanics. And if those shots are, are there, you take it. And yeah, he should he should be hitting them. Like you sort of said, if those are open shots, you know, most NBA players are going to be hitting them. You know, most guys who are a perimeter player or a guard are going to be hitting those minimum three times out of ten, if not more. And you know, Garrett Temple is about a 30, 32% shooter. I can't remember off the top of my head a three-point shooter this season. He has taken probably too many shots. And, you know, like you sort of said, he's, he's a good driver. He makes good decisions. And I thought his defense was good tonight as well. We've talked about Jared Allen. We've talked about – did you want to touch on Rody any more, Nick? Yeah, I think Rody had some actually real positive plays in this yeah. game. But the foul trouble. I mean, the Marcus Solstoff is tough because he's just outsized – out experienced and just like out IQ'd, you know, like Marcus Sol's a very experienced player who's probably one of the smartest guys in the game. And he sees a mismatch against a, a guy who's overly aggressive. He's going to capitalize. And that's what happened to Rodion's. And that's a growing point for him. We've talked about it a lot and the Nets need him on the floor in this series to compete because he's just one of the playable bigs they have because like Lance Thomas, Dante Hall, guys, you don't really put on the court. And if Rodion's can stay out of foul trouble, there's an opportunity for him to probably play at least 25 minutes, if not more. In that sense, there's uh, something that obviously might need to be looked at. Do you think that TLC should start and Rodion should be the backup five? And not saying, I'm, I'm just throwing it out as an idea. Obviously, TLC is playing incredibly well. And then Rodion's going to essentially just match up against Sergio Barker and Jared Allen can continue to do his thing against Marcus Gasol because his young legs and um, his spryness seems to uh, have an effect on Marcus Gasol in, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, that's not the worst idea. I thought TLC did a pretty good job with Siakam, especially if Siakam's going to shoot so bad. Like, he just wasn't a threat from the perimeter and taking those three-point shots tonight, and he just didn't look confident taking any of his mid-range shots. I thought, like, a couple of the Nets actually did fine with Siakam. You know, even Karis Avert and Garrett Temple. Like, guys were undersized, but they understood how to play him and play off, and if he hits the threes, he hits the threes. So if that's what the Nets are willing to do, it's not the worst idea, especially with the way that TLC is playing offensively. 
Like his three-point shot has just been huge, and that's the type of spacing you need to kind of make the Raptors pay when they're going to throw so many double teams and give Levert so much attention. And it'll open things up for Joe Harris a little bit too. It did, it did. And in, in that sense, TLC was outstanding tonight. One of, if not the, the best players on the floor. And as soon as he was out there, he hit the three and you could sort of tell that he was on. It's and I think he's just, to start the game too. It was, it was. And, and he was confident. He was making drives as well tonight that I haven't seen him make at all. You know, I've sort of, we've spoken about, and I've, I've done some video breakdowns. Matt's done some breakdowns of him where we know what he's like on the drive. He likes to get the, the lefty to right crossover, but he was he was working on angles and driving and, and, and getting strong. You know, his confidence is through the roof and, and, and you love to see it. And I think it was Christian Winfield put out the fact that, you know, we've still got him on a $1.8 million contract for next season. So he's going to be on that bench. He's going to be in that rotation one way or another next season, which is a great asset to have for the Brooklyn Nets next season because... You know, the three ball is is there. It, it seems real, you know, and, and it might be streaky at certain points, but the streakiness isn't there right now. Um, obviously, you know, he played an absolutely outstanding game. Six of nine from three, 26 points, nine of 13 from the field, seven boards, two assists. Um, he was he was one of, if not the best player for, for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Yeah, I think offensively his game continues to improve. I just think that we would like to see more growth defensively. That's like the one issue. And the one thing that he does that's kind of frustrating is the fouls. Five fouls tonight. And just he just it commits dumb fouls too. It's not even like necessary where somebody will be driving and he'll kind of stick his hand in the cookie jar when he just doesn't need to because he's already in good position. If they hit the shot, you live with it. And I think that's just the type of thing he needs to clean up. But offensively, you just can't really have complaints when a guy shoots six and nine from three. And like you said, a couple nice drives to the rim, a couple nice cuts to the rim. He was just understood where he could have an impact in this game on the offensive end. Absolutely. And I mean, him and Joe Harris, nine of 14 from the three, the rest of the Brooklyn Nets are 4 of 28. Uh, yeah. Not necessarily the best stat that you want to hear. And obviously, you know, you'll take 6 of 9 of 3 from uh, TLC, but you don't want to go here. T, uh, uh, Tyler Johnson, TJ going 1 of 6, or Chris Chios are going 0 of 3. Uh, you know, Karasovic going 0 of 2, and obviously Garrett Temple going 1 of 10. But, you know, TLC continues to grow in confidence. I think that, like you said, the defense needs improvement, but if he's still providing uh, immense offensive production. I'll take a little bit less on the defensive end, uh, especially if that three ball is certainly falling. But we alluded to Joe Harris, Nick. He was clamped early on, but he just found ways to impact later on. And he kept working hard, working hard, and, and made an impact in, in many different ways. 19 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 6 boards, 2 assists. Uh, really liked how Joe worked his way into the game. And he was just taking the right shots, making the right decisions, and, and being strong. Yeah, I thought he was looked a little bit more confident in the second half, like just more willing to drive and take some of the shots. Maybe he wasn't looking to take in that first half. And I think they're going to probably need more of that from Joe because we've mentioned it a million times already in this podcast, the attention Karis Levert's getting. Joe Harris might have to take more shots, even if they're shots that he's not 100% comfortable with because it just might be a better option than anybody else on the roster at this point. Well, yeah, you look at Harris taking 14 shots, Levert only taking 14 because, you know, he had 15 assists, Temple taking 15, Allen taking 10, and TLC taking 13. You know, that's probably what you want to see Joe Harris taking maybe a, at least 15 going forward. He's obviously, when if you have OG Ananobi in your face, you're not going to necessarily take a three in him. I think he, OG Ananobi like blocked one of TLC's threes today. He's just an yeah. absolute monster. Can't say enough good things about that guy. I've got nothing bad to say about him. He's not Kyle Lowry. I think Joe can sure. capitalize, though, more when he has actually Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet on him because yeah. he's, he's bigger. He's like yeah. I, you could see today. He took them on a couple of drives where I think like they're a drive available for him to take, especially if they're overplaying him in that three point line. 
Yeah, and um, obviously OG Ananobi's going to have his hands full guarding Karol Savert for large portions of the game. It's just when the switches and the rotations are made. You know, Joe's he, he made smart plays and he was yeah. the most one of the most impactful and efficient guys for the Brooklyn Nets tonight um, in in terms of offense. So it, obviously we want to see this and more from him. We know what he can do. You know, three or five for three. He's been shooting the lights out and he's driving the ball well. He's making correct decisions. He's turning into a, a very multifaceted NBA player, uh, not just a, a three-point gunner. But Nick, in terms of the the deep parts of the rotation, you know, Jeremiah Martin with nine minutes, Chris Chios with seven minutes, Dante Hall, we sort of alluded to a little bit earlier, and then the junk time play from guys like Lance Thomas, Justin Anderson, and Jana Musa. Was there anything to take away from Martin, Chioza, any of these sort of guys? Yeah, I thought Tyler Johnson's minutes weren't terrible. Just the fact he missed a lot of his shots. Like, I think that's going to hurt. You know what I mean? Like, they, they can't afford to have Temple and Johnson both have off nights from three because they're just going to be guys that Toronto is going to live with shooting threes. So one of those guys has to step up maybe every other game or whatever it is. I think that was just something that hurt. And even Chioza 0-3, like, not giving them any type of scoring punch off the bench. Like, you kind of hinted at earlier, like, when Karras came off or even Joe Harris came off, like, there was just really limited production on the floor, and that's just going to be tough periods of time for the Nets to have success unless these guys are getting really scrappy and finding ways to get points. I think, yeah, you make a good point. The Nets need at least two guys off the bench to quali- to produce quality offense, and we saw that against the Portland Trailblazers where it was TLC and Tyler Johnson. <laughs> it sucks that we're having to rely on TLC, Tyler Johnson, or Chris Chioza or, or Jeremiah Martin, but that's where the Nets are at right now, and even in the, even a Jamal, like we sort of said and we, we alluded to in one of our questions on on the preview pod, a guy like Jamal Crawford would help because it's just another body, another rotation piece. And you know, if Garrett Temple or TLC or Tyler Johnson can go at least forty percent from three rather than shooting, you know, two of sixteen between them, then it's going to make the world a difference. And I think keep the Nets in the game in points where they need those three points, three point shots to fall and give them a little bit of momentum. But I thought overall, Nick, if you're looking at the, the general team sort of um, the team stats, you know, the rebounding, you know, the assists, the steals, all these different things, you know, the Nets were right there. It was just essentially that they were defeated in, in essential hustle players and quality defense and giving away 22 uh, of 44 from the three point line. I mean, obviously you alluded to, to Fred Van Vliet earlier, who was a, a goddamn fl- flamethrower. Shooting like, like Steph out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Drake's new track must have had an impact on him. He, he, he's been working in the studio. And he's been working on his shot as well. Um, if, for those that don't know, look at Fred Van Vliet and then look at a photo of Drake and tell me that they're not the same person. Um, <laughs> in, in saying that, Nick, was there anything else, I guess, to, to take away from this game? Uh, are you confident? Is it going to be a sweep? Is it going to be Nets in seven? Please tell me it's going to be Nets in seven. It's Nets in seven, right? I, it has to happen. I put out a video today relating, I'm sure you and, and other people saw it, talking with uh, my guy, JBT, Nick, my second favorite Nick in the world, uh, giving, maintaining that prediction. I said I would give different predictions, Nick, about different series on different podcasts, but I stuck with Nets in seven. You've got to be proud of me, mate. I, I am love proud of you. I am. Maybe it'll give the Nets some good juju. I think, like, you can assume that the three-point shooting differential won't be this crazy. Like, the Raptors shot 50%, and the Nets shot 31%. Some of that was looks, but it's not like the Nets didn't generate a lot of good open looks from three. They just missed a lot of open threes, and the Raptors not only made their open threes, but they made even contested and difficult looks. So if that can get closer to the mean, I think that could benefit the Nets in at least getting the game closer, but they're going to have to find a way to make that free throw battle closer too. You know, only 16 attempts, the Raptors had 33. We talked about Kyle Lowry, but the Nets just need to find a way to be tougher and play maybe with that energy we saw to start the third quarter to start the game with and just set the tone set the tempo and let the the refs know you're for real because it's not even like 
the refs are going to like give the net so many bad calls, but it's just typical that the better team, the team with the star players and the bigger name is going to get more calls and the team that's known to play good defense. If the Nets play with the type of intensity that the Raptors do defensively, they're going to probably get some more favorable calls, but that just wasn't the case in the first half of today's game. Yeah, I think you, at, at maximum, the Nets played 18 to 20 minutes of, of quality basketball. And against a team that is far superior talent-wise, defensively, offensively, coaching, every single intangible basketball play, it's stat and, 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 and play, you know, they're not going to be able to, to outplay them in, in, in those sort of ways. So they're going to have to play hustle, quality basketball for 48 minutes and just... Keep around that sort of range, you know. And they can't, can't lose quarters big. Like they, if they lose a quarter, nah. they have to lose it by like five, six, maximum ten to start the game and be down seventeen after the first quarter, then four in the next one. You have that big third quarter, but it doesn't matter because you're in such a big hole. So it's just yeah. like you can't get killed like that. Yeah, I think the maximum I would sort of be comfortable with is that sort of twelve point margin. That's sort of always. You know, 15 is like when you're starting to get a little bit worried. But, you know, the Nets were down by 33 today yeah. at one point and brought it back down to nine with, some, with an incredible third quarter and some good momentum in, in late points in that second too. So you, you can't give that sort of a lead to a, a team that is just way better than you, like yep. I said, in, in so many different facets of the game. So, you know, a 24-point lead, a 24-point loss to go down from, from 33 in ways is like, okay. But I also thought that the Nets weren't 24 points worse than the Toronto Raptors tonight. I thought that that third quarter was immense in a lot of ways and I think the lead flattered them a little bit I thought that maybe if it was like 110 to 125 it would have been a bit more reflective but yeah if we get 30 minutes of really really good basketball and you know 18 minutes of you know hanging around there the Nets are going to be in with the shot yeah that's what they got to do I mean we're not expecting them to win the series but there are opportunities to make it more competitive and give yourself a real opportunity if they were down, you know, eight points going to, you know, four minutes left in the game, I consider that a win because there's still a chance they can steal the game. You know, if they're down 18, like they were today, there's no chance at winning the game. So it's just kind of giving yourself a realistic opportunity to maybe steal one. So, Nick, I should wake up at 3.30 a.m. on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Hey, I mean, Joe <laughs> Harris will appreciate it. But, Jack, before we get out of here, any adjustments that you're looking for that you want to see, like, that Vaughn needs to do? Just one thing you'd like to see going to the next game. I mean, you know, our guy Matt loves the the zone initiation. I think we could probably implement that a little bit more, be a bit creative in that sort of sense. It uh, might I, help I too of, with all those pull up threes. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I think as well, you know, that that requires a lot of communication. So I can't, I don't think it can be a really consistent form of defense for the Nets because they don't really have the defensive communication. They can only play guys that have been on the team all year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> only like the starters. <laughs> exactly. So in, in that sense, you know, you can throw it out there a, a little bit here and there. And I think that it, you have to look at whether TLC starts, whether Rodion's Kuritz plays more backup five minutes or stagger those minutes in a certain way where Rodion's is, is the backup five because you know, Dante Hall won't cut it, Lance Thomas won't cut it, and Justin Anderson won't cut it. Or maybe you give them even less of a leash because, you know, Dante Hall was taken out very, very quickly. So you, know, you can so, obviously... <laughs> Yeah, you can obviously give them a chance, but um, how much of a chance? You, know, you can give them a three-minute chance, and the Raptors go up by you know in eight minutes. <laughs> Dante Hall was minus thirteen, so uh, it, there's only so much leash you can you can give these guys. So that's something to experiment with, as I sort of touched on a little bit earlier. Nick. Yeah, and Vaughn was willing to change the defense today. We saw him switch a little bit more heavier in the second half to kind of prevent some of those pull-up threes. So I expect him to get creative going to this game too, seeing if the Nets maybe could steal another one, but. That, that wraps it up. As always, big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on all streaming platforms. That's a seven. <laughs>
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Bandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.